Welcome to another episode of There Is A System To This Madness Podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Today is the 19th of September, 2020. Start off, it was heartbreaking to hear the news about Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to make something like this political because Justice Ginsburg had a family, very devout individuals that was there at her bedside from what I from what I was told. Um but you you can't help but to think about the fact that yes, from a political point of view, this will give Donald Trump a third Supreme Court justice. Right now, from a conservative point of view, the Supreme Court justice is five to four, which now is basically is going to be six to three. So without a doubt, I mean, yes, there have been some surprises in the past. And first of all, let me make sure I'm not um, getting off the fact of the death of Justice Ginsburg. But yeah, this, this, this is a, this is a major blow to the country. You know, I've even read some comments where people kept saying that she should have retired back when President Obama was in office and that pit could have been replaced. But, you know, people, you know, I'm a God-fearing man. You, you, you can't change some things. You don't know. President, let's say that would have panned out. Something easily could have happened to those, you know, to that pick. I mean, you know, just plain devil's advocate. But, I mean, from, from the realistic realities, yeah, I mean, that would have been a good scenario. But, let's be real, you can't fault her for not wanting to step down when she felt that she could go on. And let's be real, it's three, it's three something years. Yes, she been battling um, pretty much um, pancreatic cancer. I'm not exactly sure, but I know it was some form of cancer that she was battling. But, you know, I, I'll never fault a person for wanting to continue to move forward, especially in that type of position you know, because it's not just replacing someone or somebody replacing you. You can't, you just can't replace a person's courage. You can't de- replace their demeanor. Yeah, you can say, I'm going to put a white woman in her place, whether she's, you know, liberal or conservative. But at the same time, Ruth. Bader Ginsburg is like I'm I'm the only as you know she was affectionately known as the notorious RBG you know that's she's only one you know I still remember back when 
Thurgood Marshall um, stepped down or passed away and George Bush, the father, was president and all of the black leaders kept saying Thurgood Marshall should be replaced by a black man. It would be an atrocity if you don't replace Thurgood Marshall with a black man. And George Bush was like, okay, not a problem. Boom, here you go. And we get Clarence Thomas. Again, you know, this is all, you know, I, I despised that pick, but I loved what he did because to a certain point, nobody saw that coming. Nobody in their right mind just ever considered that, oh, black people are Republicans. So it was like, like the, like the old saying goes, be careful what you wish for. Because these individuals kept saying, you should replace him with a black person. You know, Thurgood Marshall should have been replaced with a black person. And that's what George Herbert Walker Bush did. He did exactly that. And boom, we got Clarence Thomas. So, you know, when people say, oh, replace Justice Ginsburg with a woman. I mean, huh, be careful what you wish for. Because any anybody could be put in that position by Donald Trump. And the Republicans, they have they have made it known. They are not going to waste any time in re, in regards to picking her replacement. You know, yes, it was it was stated that Justice Ginsburg, I think they said a couple of days before she passed, that it would be her wish that they would actually wait until after the election to appoint her successor. But, I mean, come on now. The Republican Party, this Republican Party? No, come on. You know, they, I mean, they... They, I don't even think Mitch McConnell even said our condolences to the Ginsburg family. It was like, she's gone. We're going to replace her as soon as possible. And even when they said things like, what about when President Obama was in this situation and you all refused to even listen or have hearings on his candidate and they were like okay the times are different you know i mean i'm not even gonna get into what what are the times the the only thing different is they have they have they had control then and they have control now and see again i don't fault the republican party for doing this because the Republican Party are being the Republican Party. See, the thing that irritates me about how people think, they keep thinking that the Republican Party, you know, they're so smart, they're so mean. No, the problem is the Democrat Party is so weak. 
When I think back three years ago, when President Obama had the right to appoint a Supreme Court justice, and if you think about how that now has impacted, because here's Donald Trump, who possibly could lose the election. Think about it. The election is what? It's, I'm not, what, three, six weeks from now? I'm, tr I'm trying to add it up in my head. Six weeks or so from now? Okay, let's say Donald Trump loses. So January, he's gone. But in one term, he has appointed four Supreme Court justices. It was, I mean, excuse me, three, three, three Supreme Court justices. That's, that's unheard of. I don't even know if that's a record or not. I'm willing to bet if, 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 if it's not a record, it's probably tied, but it's up there. Three Supreme Court justices. When you think about that, I mean, that's, 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 that's interesting. That, I mean, when you think about that type of, that type of opportunities for your first and possibly your only term where you will affect this country in the highest court in the land for at least another 20, 20 years minimum easily. And really, based on, you know, when George Bush, the son, George W. Bush, appointed um, his two picks, and these guys were in their 50s, and one of them was the Supreme Court, Justice Roberts, 50 years old, and you know that, and it's a life appointment, so, I mean, easily 30 30 years that they will affect certain outcomes of certain policies, certain laws. The only thing that has been surprising is that Supreme Court Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, has gone against the grain on some issues. So, you know, that's, that's the only hope that you now have is that you have a chief justice that has a conscience. But now, with that, with that shift in the court, his vote is really not even considered to be the tiebreaker anymore. Think about it. It's pretty much, he just gonna be voting along with the crowd. It's, it's, that's that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. But when people say that the Republicans are so smart and blah, blah, blah. No. It ain't even that they use strategy. People say, oh, they cheat. No, they don't cheat. They don't bring a knife to a gunfight like the Democrats do. Not only do the Democrats bring knives, they bring butter knives to these so-called gunfights. And every time they go up against a Republican, 
they get their lunch handed to them. The presidential town hall meeting, that, that was, that was a joke. It, it, you know, uh, it was called the president and the people. And what was so funny, even just listening at that title, the people, basically what they did was they took Donald Trump out of his normal elements where he had all his Trump supporters and they put him in a crowd with educated, real thinking Americans. You know, this, you know, took place in Pennsylvania. Only thing is, you know, when you got a, a bunch of people that are, I, you know, I don't knock people that are independent voters. But at this point, like I said, it's, it's what, six weeks before the election and you are undecided? Really? I mean, what, what are you, what else are you looking for? I just, I don't get that. What, what could you be, when I see black people up there asking, well, how do you feel about racial issues and stuff like that? I mean, really? Where, where, where you been at? How, you know, now it was one black woman on there. She pretty much, there's no doubt in my mind, she voting for Biden. She just, she got swooped up because she's probably a registered independent and she probably checked, I haven't really decided, which, you know, of course, I'm a, I'm a believer in the 48 laws of power. You don't make your decision who you siding with until the very last, the very last minute. So I, you know, I give her kudos on that, but based on the question that she had for him in regard to the, um, the Affordable Care Act, pretty much Obamacare, she pretty much was, she really used that question to make a statement. And you could tell she was pretty much pro, pro healthcare in regards to the Affordable Care Act. And pretty much she knew what Donald Trump, how he felt about all of this stuff. Because she pretty much, she fed him his lunch. But then there was another black man that got up there and he's like, well, you know, what are you going to do about race relationship and how do you plan on healing this? And that's like, nigga, please, for real? That is what you asking this guy questions like that? For real? You got, I mean, what? what what did he think Donald Trump was going to say? I mean, really? I mean, I, you know, that's, again, and you, you, I get, I get it. Like I said, 48 laws of power principle. But really? You asking these questions like you really, truly don't know who you should vote for? Who you should be supporting? Excuse me about that. That's my little alarm that goes off on my um, timer. But anyway, the thing is, you you don't understand who you should be voting for right now. I'm like, I, I don't get it. I don't I don't get that. So you know, uh, either way, you know. Next, 
Breonna Taylor, Miss Breonna Taylor. Apparently, the city of Louisville has made a cash settlement, you know, pretty much $12 million settlement. Also, supposedly, you know, there's going to be some implements on the police department, some, I guess, rules that will say don't kill black people or before you kill us, you got to knock first and pretty much why you choking us, smile, why you doing it, blah, blah, blah. But either way, you know, that's what it was to me. I'm speaking for myself. That's what it was all about. It's about this settlement. That's all it's ever been about. That's why when I see this attorney that every black victim gets, it's like two people, black families call when a loved one is murdered is the undertaker and attorney Benjamin Crump. And both of them are going to make money. So, of course, you know, $12 million settlement. Yeah. He's going to get, he's going to get a cut of that. I wish there was a way that I had access to actually what would be his cut. Now, if they were to say he's just there for support, he don't get a dime, then I'll take back every negative thing I ever felt or said about Benjamin Crump. But let's be real. He going to get something because his sole purpose there is to negotiate the settlement. See, a lot of people assume that because the title attorney is in front of his name, that he's going into the courthouse to fight against the police on Miss Breonna Taylor's behalf. No, that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother side of the law. In fact, there's another attorney that has been appointed for the family or the hired by the family to get this. Pretty much. Benjamin Crump kind of comes in as what Robert Kardashian was to O.J. Simpson. For those don't know or don't can't go back that far, Robert Kardashian, yes, the father of the Kardashian clan, pretty much was O.J. Simpson's original lawyer. It wasn't Johnny Cochran. It wasn't F. Lee Bailey. Those attorneys were hired by Robert Kardashian because Robert Kardashian knew that the type of attorney he was versus what O.J. Simpson was facing, they had to get, he had to get his client better representation. So pretty much, this is the same thing what Benjamin Crump does with all these families. Now, if you notice, he is everywhere. I hate to say it, but there are high profile police murders of black people and Benjamin Crump is there because one thing that is 
set in stone. There's going to be settlements. And those settlements are going to be in the millions. And he gets a cut of that. And what he does, like Robert Kardashian, he goes to the family, or in this case, Robert Kardashian was with OJ. Crump goes to the family, and then from there, he gives them legal information on the value. Basically, I guess there's, if there's such a thing, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but each incident, each murder has a value based on the individual's life, based on how they was murdered. And then a settlement is drawn up. Then he may, I'm not even sure, if he even recommends to them an attorney that will help them fight the case. Because I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, but still, they getting ready to fight this case in court. And in my opinion, I'm not trying to be a doubting Thomas, but to me, taking a $12 million settlement and having stipulations involved in that settlement, what you can say wrongfully or wrongful death, but when you break it down, and I know, okay, I'm, I know I'm treading on a subject that is sensitive in the black community. And I know I'm going to probably irritate and anger some people, but the police were allowed to have a no-knock warrant. That means they had to go before a judge, state their case, present to this judge, not only for a warrant to enter this person home, but not have the ability of knocking on the door because of what was what they felt was there based on their information and which in my opinion the information came from the drug dealing ex-boyfriend because you know everybody kept saying they were you know supposedly they was looking for him and that he was already in custody that's bullshit the police, you cannot tell me that the police did not know where the boy, the ex-boyfriend was at the time. And I got to keep saying ex-boyfriend because she was with another gentleman when the shooting took place. Because that gentleman, when they kicked in the door, he started firing his gun. You know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot in between this story. But either way, so the ex-boyfriend who earlier this year received a package. It just, it, you know, it didn't go into the number of packages, but it did say that he did have something shipped there. And it was believed that it was something of illegal content. So pretty much that put Miss Taylor's place of residency on their radar. The boyfriend is the ex-boyfriend is in custody. He's pretty much in, again in my opinion, he's given the police information about where more of his illicit illicit content 
is located at. And is in my opinion, he told them it's in her house. Now, whether or not he was telling the truth, whether or not he was just leading them on a wild goose chase, the police felt sure enough that they can go before a judge and tell this judge we got 99.9 proof evidence that what we're looking for is at this location and how and, and for us to have a surprise we have to be able to basically bust in this place of residency the judge signs off on it and everything takes place so that whole story about well you know they were looking for the ex-boyfriend all that no that's garbage that's 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 garbage that ex-boyfriend in my opinion pretty much sold Brianna Taylor out there's no doubt that's that's how they got, they got, yes, yeah, without doubt, the police, yes, they jumped the gun, made a fatal mistake in killing this woman in her sleep. And I'm, you know, and I guess, you know, I'm, I'm even thinking, how was this apartment laid out? I guess, you know, is this one of these apartments, as soon as you come through the door the bedroom is right there you know you know I think about like on good times where JJ and Michael slept on the couch in the front as soon as you come through the door you in they 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 bedroom so yeah if the police bust in the door like that or guess what they call a studio apartment they have you know I remember they had a bunch of these in New Jersey you bust through the front door and the person's bed is right there. I, you know, because I'm picturing an apartment with bedrooms. So I'm thinking how, you know, how was she in the way of bullets? I'm thinking if you bust through my door, I've lived in apartments. Most time my room is in the back. You know, there are times where people knock on my door. I didn't hear nothing. But imagine somebody busting in your door when you in the back and they start shooting. Well, they the police started shooting when the current gentleman slash boyfriend started firing at them and then they started blazing. That's my understanding. And Miss Taylor, she never had a chance. Because as soon as that sound of the door kicking in, the boyfriend, he starts shooting. I mean, you would think that when he bust the door down, he would grab her and pull out of bed. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture as you listen to the story. It's like, how did this even happen. It's like, you know, you ever drive down the street and you look at two cars that have gone in an accident and you're thinking, how did that happen? How, how, how could that happen on this road? You know, maybe it's daylight, you know, sunny day. It's like, 
How did they do that? But, you know, either way, I want to see how strong this case is going to stand now that this the family got this settlement. And you got to think, $12 million settlement in this case, and you still got the Ahmaud Aubrey. You you still you got the case in Atlanta, the case in Minnesota. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of more cases. The the case that took place in Wisconsin. You know what are, what are these settlements gonna look like? And of course, Mister Attorney Benjamin Crump. He's right there. I mean, I, you know, not to be mean or sarcastic, but it's going to be a good 2020 for him. When you think about at the start of this year, the number of cases that black people, black men have been murdered by the police. I mean, think about what if there was only one undertaker in the country that was handling all of these funerals for all of the black men that was murdered by the police. Oh my God. Okay, but that's almost like what you got here with attorney Benjamin Crump. You know, you know, and I hope maybe I'm wrong. It would be nice somebody say, you know, hey, no, you wrong about Benjamin Crump. He's not taking a dime. He just offering consolement to the family. Yeah, that would that would be great, but come on now. I know better than that. I will that's wishful thinking. That's wishful thinking. The NFL. Week one has passed. Of course, you know, I've explained before I'm a avid Dallas Cowboy fan. They lost. Okay, I'm looking forward to the next week. This week's game. But either way, all of the, I guess, pre-ceremonies, I probably have witnessed the Negro National Anthem sung more this week than I probably have my whole entire life. And then I think the thing was, first of all, Without a doubt, it was it was overkill, and to me, the whole explaining to the audience how some teams chose to stay in the locker room. This team chose to come out for both, and I mean they did it at every game. This team chose to. They out for the Negro National Anthem. This team chose to come out for the National Anthem. This team chose both. This team chose none. This person took a knee. All this. In racism, on the field, and all this type of stuff. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But yet, you know. Colin Kaepernick is still not playing. Eric Reed is still not playing. And there's, there's no justification 
about his talents. You know, to me, decorating your field with all these slogans and making people conscience. This, this is, you know, I, I, this is not breast cancer awareness where for whole, for one whole month, you, you, you know, all the players pretty much wear pink. You got pink ribbons decorated, but there's also funding. Yes, the NFL was stated that they have given some type of funding to like things like breast cancer. It was believed that the NFL has given funding to organizations, but it's 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 not it's nothing. I really you know not to sound ungrateful. I mean it's it's, it's nothing. There's no power behind this. Cause what you fail to realize is that the NFL is on the the teams. There are 32 teams. Each team is owned by a billionaire owner. A billionaire. And it's believed that about roughly about 20, 20 of them contributed $1 million or more to the President Trump campaign when he was running back in 2016. And more than likely, that 20 or more have contributed $1 million or more this time around too. Because these are the individuals that really benefit from Donald Trump's policy. These are the people that make over 250 million, I mean, excuse me, $250,000 every year, quarter of a million dollars every year. These are the people that benefit from Donald Trump policies and taxes. When you hear people say, well, his taxes help me. I'm like, how? You make thirty, fifty thousand dollars It's not it's not affecting you. You do not benefit from the financial implementations that Donald Trump puts into place. You don't make enough. If you could get these billionaires in each of these cities to talk to the mayors, the city councilmen, the governors, they have the resources to affect major changes. Where I'm at, the owner of this NFL team could sit down with the governor, who is a Republican, and say, hey, something's got to change. I need to talk to you. That governor is going to stop what he is doing to listen to this NFL owner. It's, I mean, it's just like one, two, three. All of these owners, NBA owners, all of the stuff that you see in the bubble, 
with all the changes, all like I said, all the decorations. The players got their little slogans on their backs. Now, I do like how the NBA players put in a stipulation because they when they stage they walk out for what one two days or whatever and the owners pretty much came back to the table and said okay let's negotiate and one of the things that was put in place was making to my understanding making these basketball stadiums a polling place see that's that's a form of leverage what if all sports arenas became a polling place. I mean, if you think about where I'm at, you got a football stadium, you got a basketball stadium, you got a baseball stadium owned by teams that are run, that are owned by billionaires. And if they were to say, on uh, for the election day or pre-voting, you can use this facility to come and vote. You could use this facility to register to vote. You could use the website for these teams to vote. See, that's that's the type of power that a billionaire owner can have. And that's the type of leeway that a player can have. But for some reason, you know, people, nobody wants to talk about that. When the situation in Milwaukee took place and the Milwaukee Bucks pulled out and those owners were scrambling because right now the big leverage that the players really have right now, there's no money being made off of the people in the stands. Pretty much the NBA as well as the NFL. The majority of the money is being made off of TV. So without the players, the star players on that field, Think about it. Who's going to watch? Yeah, let's, let's say the Baltimore Ravens. If Lamar Jackson says, I'm not going to play, people may still come to the games. And it's only a handful. I think, what, on average, 15,000 people may be allowed to come into that stadium. But when it comes to watching it on TV, say like, Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. And you say, oh, Lamar Jackson going to play. You know, you get a chance to probably see him do his thing. But if you say Lamar Jackson ain't going to play, the only people that's going to watch that game possibly are just diehard Ravens fan or other team. So you might get a quarter of that audience, whereas... That number could be two, three times more if Lamar Jackson's going to play. So Lamar Jackson said, you know what? Hey, I don't think I want to play because of what I'm seeing in the black neighborhoods. Lamar Jackson, he's got pull. A lot of these players, they have, they have pull. 
And what what can they what really what could happen to Lamar Jackson? Yeah, he'll be he'll be villainized by the media, white media. But he'll be a hero in the black community. So, you know, again, all this field decoration and you know, voicing about the police violence and showing that you have a consciousness to racism, it don't mean nothing if there's no legislation changes. And a player can only go so far, but compared to a billionaire owner, or oh, they can they can go they can go way further than this. Well, let's, you know, let's see what happens. Last thing I want to address, it was brought up that Joe Rogan, who Joe Rogan is a one of the top podcast hosts. Um, I listen to him weekly, pretty much. Uh, it's, you know, just signed this major deal with Spotify for like millions millions of dollars but either way he was saying that he is being he he was in consideration of hosting or moderating the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and a lot of people like the concept of this would be brilliant because it wouldn't it really would not be so politicized and this is what people do not understand. And I don't think people understand this about defeating Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not a politician. He's a reality show host. And you're, it, it, it reminds me of that line in, that, in the movie, New Jack City where I can't remember his character name, but it was the Mario Van Peoples character. He was like the police chief or captain or whatever. And he said, we got a new Jack criminal, so we need new Jack police. This is how you have to deal with Donald Trump. This is how Donald Trump, if you remember back in 2016, where the Republican field, it must have been... It seemed like it was 200. It's like it was 200 of them. I wanna, I'm want i exaggerating, but I'm thinking, what, it was like 13, 16 of them starting at, at the beginning. When they actually started their debates, that thing stretched across the whole stage. And all of them was political, except for Trump. And, you know, they would come back each week well, Donald Trump said this. It was reported that he said that. And Donald Trump just kept beating him. He kept beating him down. Because he's not a politician. Hillary Clinton. Her grave mistake was. First, first mistake she made was. She overlooked the other Democrat candidates. And set her eyes on Trump. She just. Um, 
just overlooked Bernie Sanders. I forget the other character, um, the last. It was like Sanders and another um, character guy um, from Maryland. I don't know if he was the governor or the mayor of Baltimore. But, you know, pretty much she just, she looked past them. Because she just, she was chomping at the bits to get to Donald Trump. Because she's going to just bring up all of the stuff that had been collected against her, against him. And sure enough, she gets the Democrat nomination and bam, he swept her right out the way. Yeah, she, you know, she blamed stuff. Well, you know, Bernie Sanders stayed in too long. The DNC, they emails got hacked and they had these secret emails saying that they were going to support her. And, you know, yeah, some of that stuff, that played a part. But she underestimated Donald Trump. And she underestimated the people that was supporting him. She, she, she didn't get that because he spoke to them. And to this day, that is who he focused his attention on. One of the mistakes that President Obama always said he made was that he put too much time and effort trying to appease those individuals that did not vote for him because he kept saying, I am the president of everybody. I get that, but you still got to take care not only of the majority, but definitely those who were your diehard supporters, who cast that vote for you, who believed in what you was trying to do. But he kept focusing on those that did not feel genuine about him. And he just kept, it's like he neglected his supporters to try to reel in the people that didn't care about him. So, you know, I think the concept of Joe Rogan being the host or even somebody like another person that I think would be a great consideration, Charlemagne the God. He is the host of the Breakfast Club radio show and he also has another favorite podcast of mine called The Brilliant Idiots. Again, I think the way he just handles himself, you know, that, that mindset that he gives the impression that he's on, on defense, which, you know, he's, He's a little bit more liberal, but I just think that it wouldn't be politicized. And, you know, going back to Joe Rogan, I don't think it's going to happen because Joe Rogan, because he's been podcasting for so long, which of course means that people can go back and find things that he said that was insensitive or not politically correct. So pretty much that would probably probably disqualify him if you want to say. But anyway, we're going to end this. 
hope everybody have a good remainder of the week. Going into week two of the NFL, hope my Cowboys do better than what they did last week. So, this is another episode of There's a System to This Madness. I am Osaze Shabazz. As always, please leave your comments, leave your questions, leave your ideas, your concepts, your beliefs, your agreements, your disagreements. I would love to hear any of it. I would love to hear all of it. Until then, until then, stay safe. God bless. And I will see you next week.